Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We are the body of Christ. We are the, we're the, God speaks through us. He reaches out and loves through us. He builds up broken people through us. We're the body of Christ to the earth. And so when he says, look, all God's promises are yes and amen, but it's through us. He wants to do it through us. Have you availed yourself to God in such a way that he can do it through you? Can God uplift people through you and build them up through you and minister to them through you? Is he able to do something through you? Um, we want to be yielded to him. God wants to do all that, all that he says in the word. God's like, I want to do all that, but I want to do it through you. In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind you that Christians are bound together as the body of Christ. In the New Testament, there is an analogy that compares individual followers of Christ as parts of the body. In this analogy, each person is compared to a different part of the body with a different function. So while all people have different functions or gifts, they all contribute to the overall function and well-being of the body. With our gifts, we are meant to build up and edify the body of Christ as a whole. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Are you a person that makes plans? Do you have a five-year plan? Now, I'm not going to not having a plan, but I'm going to challenge those that would make a plan and then cling to it. Um, some of y'all can't have a plan because you can't let God can't redirect you once you get one. You know, um, you got to hold your plans lightly. Have one. Go ahead and have one. Don't be don't just be random and see what happens. You know, have a plan. But, but hold that plan, pray through the plan, make it the plan. But if God should want to redirect the plan, you, let him redirect. You know, um, I use my phone a lot when I'm driving and I, I, the, 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 the lady talks to me, Siri. And sometimes I'll put in a thing and I tell, tell them I know where I'm going to be going. But I'll see that there's traffic the way she's telling me to go and I'll go another way. And so I, I'm a good with back streets. And so I'll start hitting the back streets and she keeps talking. No, turn right here. She's trying to take me back to the main street, but I'm not going. I'm not listening. She keeps talking and telling me to go back the other way. Um, you know, but I, I already know where I'm going. I, I got a different route. You know, I'm not going to go back. That's OK when it's Siri. But if it's the Holy Spirit saying turn right here, you need to go ahead and make that right turn. Amen. You need to go ahead and let God redirect you where you're going. And so um, it's important to know that. Right. Paul had a plan. Um but it wasn't God's will that he go back this second time, even though he wanted to plan to and even shared with them that he would be going. Um, we want there to be some flexibility about the things that we plan and, and know that sometimes God will kind of aim us in a direction and then redirect us. Can you can you yield? Uh, I think of some people in scripture that God put them on a course and, you know, they were they were doing great where they were. And then God just said, change course, you know, out of nowhere. And just how that they had to yield Philip. You know, Philip was there. He was ministering. But it was actually going very well where he was. People were getting saved. It was dynamic ministry was going on. And then the Holy Spirit came and said, I want you to run and, you know, go to the desert. But, but the ministry's going good here, Lord. I got people coming every day. People are coming. He said, I want you to go to the desert. Philip goes to the desert. As he's out in the desert, he sees a chariot. The Lord tells him, I want you to run and catch up with that chariot. Like I, I, I read those things in my Bible and I think, what kind of obedience is that? That's, that's, I want, I need to be that. Like that, that, that convicts me, right? That God would just say, stop, go. He goes. As he's there, God said, run. And I'm, as you a grown man in here, or a grown woman, you don't probably run just because. So I want you to think about to the moped. Somebody's on a moped and the Lord is speaking to your heart saying, I want you to run and catch up with them. For what? 
How many of us would have, we need a week to pray about that? I need to get with my prayer group and pray. I, I want to confirm this with 12 verses and three, you know, uh, fleeces. How many of us just, all right, Lord, boom, you know? And he went and caught up and led that man to the Lord and baptized him and experienced a miracle of God. Um, we want to be able to be redirected by God and just led by his spirit. Amen. So moving on, um, Paul's letting them know why it is that he's not going to be coming back. Um, uh, why his, his plans are not going to be fulfilled. Verse uh, 17 now, he says, therefore, wh when I was planning this, he said, did I do it lightly? Or the thing I plan, do I plan according, the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh? That with me, there should be yes, yes, and no, no. Some of what they were accusing Paul of was, again, they were accusing him of being wishy-washy. I mean, he says he's coming, now he's not coming. You know, he says, Paul says, look, do I, do I plan this lightly? Was I planning, was my planning according to the flesh? Um, just because it didn't work out, he, they, uh, he says, were they, were they uh, I'm sorry, um, according to the flesh, that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no, verse 18. He says, but as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Sylvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. And this is what Paul does, something really interesting. Paul gets off of him and his plans, right? He says, let me take it back to what, what matters, right? The gospel that we preach to you guys, the messages that me and Timothy and Sylvanus, the messages from the word of God that we preach, the messages are not yes and no. They're yes. They're definitive. This is all the promises of God is going to say in the next verse are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. And so Paul says, look, don't mistake. Don't, don't mix up the, the authenticity and the power of our message because I had a change of plans here. But that's what was happening. Now, again, I want to speak of the danger of this, right? Paul was sent by God. Paul was the person God had raised up to lead this church, to lead them to him, to minister to them. Um, people were creating questions and doubt about his, his validity of his ministry and everything else. Who ultimately is hurt in that whole exchange? Who loses out? Does Paul lose out? No. Who loses out? They do. That's why I bring this up. Um, it's usually the people, right? It's the people that can get, you know, can get stirred up, can get moved in the wrong direction, that can, that can stir up stuff. And so we want to be careful that we're not losing out. Um, they're losing out on God sent this man to minister to them. And as I read this whole section, which is Paul giving a defense, I think what a waste that he had to waste time writing a defense. He has so much. We're going to see in the rest of the letter that Paul has so much to pour out to them, so much of his heart, so much meaningful stuff to pour out. He's got to waste time right here saying, hey, guys, hear me, you know, give me, give me, you know, give me credit when I speak it from God. He's got to spend time validating himself to them before he gets to it. That's waste. That's a waste. Um, we don't want to be these kind of people that um, believe wrong. They, they believe the wrong thing about Paul. They've let people mess them up. Um, they've listened to things that they shouldn't have listened to, said things they shouldn't have said. And Paul's having to clear things up. Um, we all want to be careful about doing that. And one of the things I see happen in the world many times is um, the church, which we should really be a light and a witness to the world. Sometimes we're the opposite. You have people go to church, then hang out with a non-believing family and friends, talk bad about the people at church, and then invite them to come. Y'all want to come? <laughs> Why would I want to come there? Y'all will talk about me too? You know, um, it's just a terrible witness. You know, we want to be careful about that. Um, if, you know, if there, if there are things, like we said earlier, if there are things about people in the body, we go to them. Bam. 
straight to them. Uh, I've seen over the years in my own life, there have been people that, I, that I've gone to, people that have come to me. Um, those relationships are richer relationships. Uh, you know, I've had people that I was, I was afraid to go to them. I didn't know what they were going to say, if I was going to get in trouble, if they were going to get mad. And I go and they're like, man, thank you, for tell, thank you for telling me the truth. Thank you for loving me enough to tell me the truth. I've had people rebuke me and say something to me. I had somebody drive and go out of their way to come and really bring a rebuke and a correction to me. And as I stood there kind of listening and receiving it and taking it in, I really felt so strongly. This person didn't get in their car and drive way over here because they hate me. That, they, that, that there was a concern for me and they came and they just spoke some harsh things, but it was it was it was partly true. And so I was inclined to just receive it and humble myself that they didn't they didn't they didn't they didn't tell this to 20 other people to, you know, talk about my they came straight to me and said, hey, this is something I, this is what I think. I don't know. And they just hit me with it. I just it benefit me better to receive that than it would for me to, you know, buck up against it. Be careful that you can you can be corrected. And even give correction with the heart that says, I'm part of the body. These people are my family and I want to see God glorified ultimately. You know what God doesn't want to look down here and see is us at war with one another. It doesn't glorify him. doesn't bless him. Anybody here with kids, when you see your kids loving each other, serving each other, it, it blesses you. It does something for you. When I when I see my kids being nice to each other and they just it just 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 give me a warm fuzzy. I look and I just oh I just this is this one that's a great feeling. Now when when you see them fighting and fussing, you don't get that feeling. You know you're like uh, I feel bad as as a parent now. I look at what we put our parents through. You know, um, my sister and I a year apart. Outside we were you know we would we had each other's back you know but in, in the house we fought. I mean, we fought bad. We fought. There was blood. There was gashes. There was ER visits. You know, there was we fought and it was violent, you know, and um, she beat me up in front of my friends. And I, we, we've had all these we got all these stories. We get together. And now that we're adults, you know, she likes to come and she's got her favorite story. She like to tell my kids, you know, um, and there was a time where we were at home and my mom had ordered pizza and. You know, we were up in the front and, you know, just being greedy kids. We, we both had probably ate our full, but it was an odd number pizza. But we both wanted it just to be able to say we ate the last one. And um, she looked like she was going to finish before me. And so me being a little boy and being gross, you know, I, I put my hand in my nose and I, I touched the pizza. And I never forget this. We had these tall bar stools. And since she had concluded that she wasn't going to eat this pizza, but before I could look up, she had just, I think she swung it from all the way around and she smacked me out of the chair. And I, I fell out the chair and then she ran back to my mom's room. Now I was the baby and I'm sure I'm like, I'm, my mom, mom sees this well, <laughs> you're going to get in trouble. And I went back there and told my mom what had happened. And she's like, you put your hand in your nose. That's what you get. That's that's her favorite story to this day because she got away with smacking me out of the, the bar stool chair or whatever. Well, I look back at these things and I just think for parents, you know, did that bless my mom to see us at war and fighting? No, nah, it didn't. You know, that's that's not what he would have wanted, but that's 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 not what she would have, my parents would have enjoyed or whatever. Be careful that, you know, even as you deal with one another in the body, even as we deal with difficult things. Just consider that you're you're God's kids. Just like you guys have siblings, you did not pick your brothers and sisters. They just showed up. That's brother. That's sister. Love them. You know, that's family. You don't get to pick them, but you got to love them. and You got to be around them. When you become born again, you don't pick your family either. We don't pick God's family. They get born again. That's my family now. That guy, that girl, those people, these, that's, they're, they're God's kids. These are my family now. You don't get to pick them, but you do need to love them. 
And we need to consider how we treat one another because we everything we do, we do it before God. If I treat you good, I treat you good before God. It pleases him. If I treat you bad, I treat you bad before God doesn't glorify him, doesn't please him. So we want to be a loving church. Amen. And we can't I can't be everybody. I could just be me. So my part of the body of Christ, I need to make sure that I'm, I'm doing it God's way. Your part. Everybody here is a part of the body. Make sure that your part of the body is loving folks and being a good witness and glorifying God. Amen. Moving on. Uh, he says in um, the last part of verse or verse 20, I'm sorry. He says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him. Amen. To the glory of God through us. And I thought that was the point. He said, look, the promises of God are yes and amen through us, right? Through us. God's God's fulfilling a lot of what he's doing for you guys through us. He does it through the body. We got to remember that, right? And on, on the on the earth, we are the body of Christ. We are the we're the God speaks through us. He reaches out and loves through us. He builds up broken people through us. We're the body of Christ to the earth. And so when he says, look, all God's promises are yes and amen, but it's through us. He wants to do it through us. Have you availed yourself to God in such a way that he can do it through you? Can God uplift people through you and build them up through you and minister to them through you? Is he able to do something through you? Um, we want to be yielded to him. God wants to do all that. All that he says in the word. God's like, I want to do all that, but I want to do it through you. You're going to be the vessels to bring it to pass in other people's lives. And so uh, verse 21 and 22. Now, um, he switches gears here and he begins to speak about the work that God does in us. And I want you to I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it. I want you to listen to the language. Right. Paul says in verse 21. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The first thing I noticed in that section is the us. Paul's like, hey, Paul's not Paul's not it's not us. Not Paul's not saying it's it's us and then y'all. He says, hey, we're family. It's us. Right. God's established us. Uh, with you in Christ. He's anointed us all together, not just a special class. He sealed us and he's given us the spirit in our hearts. I want to go back through it and, and look at all four of those things. First of all, God has established us. Um, that's Paul says he's established us with you in Christ. Um, our relationship as we come into relationship with the Lord, as we enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, he establishes us in him. That's that's entering into relationship with the Lord. We are established we become God's kids. We are born again. God establishes us. Paul is saying, look, I acknowledge you guys as part of us. Even though y'all are talking about me, even though you guys are believing wrong things about me, we're still family. It's still us. Still love you guys. He's acknowledging them. He's recognizing that we're, we're still us. He who establishes us, God has done that with you in Christ. The second thing he says is, and has anointed us in God. Now, this word anointed in a lot of our church circles gets thrown around and used in, in, in ways that don't really agree with the scripture. So I'm going to take a minute with that one today. Um, what does it mean when someone is anointed or something is anointed? Here, here's how it gets used a lot of time. You know, someone will say, oh, that's someone, someone that really sings well. Oh, that, is, that her voice is anointed. No, she's a good singer. A really good singer. No, I just there's an anointing on your voice. Every time you sing, I just feel the Holy Spirit. No, I, I mean, anybody heard some good singing from a non-believer? I mean, Aretha Franklin, I could, you know, I, I sing Luther Vandals and my wife feels warm and fuzzy. You know, it's not the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm just kidding. So, um, <laughs> but 
it, it's that's not what an anointing. That's not what he's talking about here. If somebody preaches and he's got an anointing, then there's a whole way you got to speak and you walk different if you got an anointing and you talk like a. All of that is churchy stuff that's not really biblical. Here's the thing: anointing is not upon like certain people in the body, a special class of people, some high ranking. Um, every time in the New Testament that anointing, someone being anointed is spoken of, it's in the general. Uh, speaking of just the body of Christ in general, it's spoken of twice in First John. First John chapter two, verse twenty. First John chapter two, verse twenty-seven. In both instances, he just John is just speaking to the whole church that God's anointed us. He set us apart. He's put His hand upon us. He's empowering us. It's us. I don't get to stand up here and say, "Well, God's put an anointing on my life," and not you guys. You guys just sit down and listen to my anointing. God's anointed all of us to go out and be used by Him. And that's the truth. That's that's the that's what the Bible actually teaches. So when Paul says it here, look, he established us with you in Christ and he anointed us. Paul says, look, me, who is a minister and the apostle and you guys that have been talking about me bad. Y'all anointed. God's put his hand upon us. God has selected us and elected us. And his, his desire is to use us to go out and have an impact. All of us have been anointed by God hand upon our lives. Um, I think this is why I think it's important that we don't isolate it and make it seem like. You know, it's, it's an anointing is some high super thing, because then this is what ends up happening is you get a whole lot of people sitting and watching some some guy or some girl do their anointed thing. And everybody else is like, I don't have that anointing. So I'm just, I'm, I just I must be just called to watch. And that's what happens to the church. A lot of what happens in our church culture is broken. People get saved. They go to church and they make it a lifetime habit of. Attending, listening, sitting, singing, go home. It's, and then their church attendance is what, what's, what their life is. God anoints us to go out. God wants us to go have an impact. God wants to use every single one of us. When we come here to church, we gather like this. It's, I would liken this to a football huddle, right? Um, it's, we're gathering together. We're all on the same team. We're getting some instruction. And after the huddle, after the guy says whatever he said, they say, break. And then they got to go out there and be about the business that they just talked about. Amen. They got to go about, they got to go out there and face opposition. They got to go out there and live out what they just heard. And then they'll come back together and say, I didn't work out that time. He messed up on his play, whatever. And they they got to get a regroup and they go back and do it again. That's what this is. We're coming together. We're regrouping. We're gathering people that have been beat up out there in the world. We're giving you some water and some refreshment and pouring into you and building. Then we got to go back out there and be about this thing again. Um, so when we come together here, we can't come in. What if you came into the huddle and start getting hit? <laughs> you, you lose for sure. You know, you can't come to the huddle and your teammate tackled you for, you know, the last play you messed up on. You come to the huddle, you got to be refreshed and built. That's what we're doing. We're gathering for that purpose. The, the goal is not for us to become professional lifetime pew sitters. Uh, we come to get instruction, but you got to do something with what you're learning. You got to go home and live it out. Go to work and live it out. Go to the community and live it out. Um, God's giving you gifts as you come into contact with what the gifts are. You got to use them for his glory, use them for the benefit of other people. Every single one of us, not just a select class of anointed people. Everybody here is anointed with something to do for the glory of God. Amen. We want to be about that business. All right. Two more things. He says that God has done in us or for them. Twenty two. He says. Who has also sealed us and he's given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts uh, as a uh, um, as a guarantee. So the Holy Spirit seals us. Right. Everybody that's born again. God says that God puts a seal on you. Um, you can't see the seal. And 
I can't see the seal, but God says, I put a seal upon you. God knows those that are his. Um, now, the thing is, we want to know, right? I, if God's like, I, I put a seal on everybody that belongs to me. Um, we, we, we can't see the seal, right? I don't, I'm, I don't want somebody saying, the Lord showed me. I looked in church and I, I saw everybody who had the seal and those that didn't. Because people do foolish stuff just like that, right? The seal, the seal of God, God can see it. God knows those that belong to him. Um, it, he hasn't, it hasn't been the will of God that, to reveal the seals to us. It's his deal, right? But God does want us to know individually. God is not as concerned about me being able to discern whether you got a seal or not. God's like, Bill, do you know? Do you know that you're mine? That's what I got to be concerned with. Do I know that the Holy Spirit dwells inside me? And so the second thing God seals us, that's him identifying those of, the, of us that belong to him. But the second thing, or the, third, the, the last one, the fourth one here says, and he has given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Something that God gives everybody born again, everybody that's given their heart, their life to Christ. God gives us the Holy Spirit. Let me explain who the Holy Spirit is. Some people call the Holy Spirit an it. They act like the Holy Spirit is an it. Yeah, the Holy Spirit, it, it was it was moving. It, it, it made me fall. It, it, the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not an essence. It's not a force. It's not a power in the air. The Holy Spirit is a person. There's God the Father person. God the Son person. God the Holy Spirit. Over in Acts chapter 5, remember Peter told Ananias, you haven't lied to men. You have lied to God. And then, then he told him you lied to the Holy Spirit. So we know the Holy Spirit is God. And he didn't say you lied to it. You lied to God. You lied to the Holy Spirit. You didn't lie to men. And so we know the Holy Spirit's a person. And so God said, look, the person of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. That's life changing. You can't be the same. God has moved in and lived inside you. And this is what he comes to do. What's the work of the Holy Spirit? How do I how do I quantify? How do I know that he lives inside me? Well, you look for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. What does he come to do? First thing he comes to do is to convict us of sin. People that weren't saved. You know, when, when, when I was not born again, I didn't feel bad about the sin I was doing. I, some of the stuff I felt good about. When I stole stuff, I felt good about it. I felt like I came up. I, I, I celebrated it, you know. Um, other sins I did, you know, I won't ruin your Sunday mornings with it, but I felt, I felt good about my sin when I wasn't saved. Then I got born again and I got saved and now there was the internal work of God in my life. I felt convicted. I felt there are sins I overcame. I wasn't doing them. But I felt bad about the fact that I was still tempted about doing them. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Am I even saying, why do I still think like that? You know, why am I still tempted to do those things? If I'm really saying I battled with those things. Um, but the fact that I was even concerned was a work of the Holy Spirit. I've talked to people many times that come and they're, they're, they're so concerned. They're concerned over the sin in their life. They're convicted. They're bothered. And they're, it's, 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 it's it hated, you know, and they're like, I just need help. I said, well, first thing I'll encourage you with, right, the way the reason you feel like that. Because nobody knows. You, you, you came and divulged this information to me. The only way I know about it is because you told it to me. That's the Holy Spirit at work inside you. So at least we know Holy Spirit's at work. Convicting you of sin. That's a good thing. You know you're, you're his. Now, this is, what, this is the way it works. This is how sanctification works. God live in you, make you hate your sin, and you'll hate it so bad you'll be miserable in it and you want to stop it. And eventually you'll cry out to God to help you. And then God's like, That's, I've been waiting on you to get there. Whew. You know, God will move in and make you feel about your sin the same way he does. I hate it. I don't want to be that guy anymore. I don't want to do those things anymore. And then I finally get broken enough, try to do it in my own strength and fail to where I finally come to God to help me. And then God will help me. Sanctification. And you look back and I'm no longer doing that. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit still lives there. And so he'll be dealing with some new stuff. 
You know, you overcome that sin and God's like, we already got that victory. I got another thing. I've learned this over the years. I'm never going to be done. You know, if you're hoping to be done one day, if you, if you, if you want people to get condemned easily, it's like God seems like there's always something they'll all until you get to heaven. You know, when God is so he's merciful and he doesn't throw it all on us at once. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. In this book, Paul details many different ways that he suffered for the sake of Christ. It can be painful to hear about these trials, but it's a reminder that following Jesus comes at a personal cost. What are some ways that you've chosen Jesus above other things? Do you think it's worth it? Paul knew it was well worth the pain and hardship that was brought on because he had a bigger picture in sight of eternity. Do you have the same outlook when you go through difficult trials? We hope you continue to learn more from this book written to the Corinthians. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you'll find them on our website, CalvaryEnglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. Do you live in the Inglewood area? Then come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryEnglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryEnglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as a part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and possibly hearing about Jesus for the very first time? Please pray that their hearts will be open to the truth that changes lives. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us on The Transforming Word.